Melzy's here. Hey, Melzy. Testing. Testing. <laughs> Can you hear me? Can everybody hear me? Glenn, am I on? Yeah, you sure? Am I on? I think New South Wales can hear you. <laughs> well, that's the usual thing. Not a month ago. <laughs> no. So here's the thing, people. Last time Melzy was here, we recorded the entire show without her microphone being on. <laughs> and it was a ripper of a show too. It really was. Mm, one of the best, I think. If only you could have heard it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear I said really hilarious and insightful things. You just you just couldn't hear any of those parts. <laughs> you picked up all the parts about uh, OnlyFans. And <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're our new sponsor, by the way. <laughs> Oh, I must say, I've got a problem there, actually. So we were talking about, um, oh, I think the potential of, like, foot modelling and stuff yeah. like that, because then you can go incognito. Yeah. Well, and I mean, people that have an issue <laughs> with feet, sorry about this, they'll be like, oh, I wish our microphone was off again. I've got I've got a toenail that's hanging on by a thread. Wow. Yeah! <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to get a either an implant or... I don't know. Uh, 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 get really good at Photoshop and and pho- it's like literally hanging wow. on by a thread. Yeah. You could get festive and you could flick it. Then it would be a missile toe. But <laughs> <laughs> um, And with that, welcome to Good Movie Monday, where the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. Hey, it's December, don't you know? And um, what better way to kick off the silly season than with a Christmas themed show? Yeah. Uh, my name is Glenn Cochran, and by Christmas themed, I mean horror Christmas themed. Of course. Oh my goodness. And, uh, <laughs> and that's all because of this lady doing her monthly duties on the show this week as the co host of the show. Oh, yeah, no I killed Ben. ben. <laughs> <laughs> Direct from the Melbourne Horror Film Society, Malzi Beg, how are you? I'm good. I'm great. It is great to have you here. Thank you Thank for you. filling in. No worries. I mean, this was your episode anyway, but it we was. just kicked Ben off the desk. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, I feel like I'm kind of missing my right limb here without him here, to be honest. But um, well, at least you can squeeze through. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sitting in his chair, so yeah, he better watch out. Oh, better watch out! <laughs> Didn't even mean that one. Oh, bloody what? You see, watch out, Ben. I'm bloody coming for your spot. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! You're on fire already. <laughs> A fireball, actually. <laughs> None of this is even written down. I'm excited about this whole <laughs> horror Christmas thing because you and I bonded over Christmas movies. I did. One Christmas movie in particular, mm-hmm. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 5, The Toy Maker. The Toy Maker. Oh my God. It's no surprise to our loyal listeners that I'm like a diehard fan of The Toy Maker. I talk about <laughs> it every year without fail. And I thought because you and I love this movie, we're hosting this show together. Mm-hmm. Why not indulge ourselves and, <laughs> and and have an interview with the most iconic, oh. iconic character from the movie? So my God, so keep listening, everyone, wow. because Melzy and I are going to be chatting with Brian Bremer, who played Pino oh. from uh, Silent Night Deadly Night Part Five, and this isn't like he's an 
He's an icon of horror. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's been doing the American conventions. Um, he's been in some truly amazing horror films. Mm. Those first few in his career, as you'll hear a bit later on, Pumpkinhead, Society, mm-hmm. Spontaneous Combustion. Mm-hmm. Huge. So, so huge. He also happens to be a very lovely guy. Oh, my God. So, I'm so in love. So, like, I wasn't already, but... Yeah, I know. Oh. So, for those of you listening that were thinking of, like, dropping off, don't. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. that is well worth sticking around for. Um, of course, in true monthly Melzy fashion, we are sinking some fireball mm. here. They are not a sponsor yet, but it would be in their best interest to mm. be. We're doing the cans. The cans. Look, we're, we're changing it up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And they're not too bad. They're yeah, not too bad. Pretty good. So come on board, Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get the show started, Malzy? Let's do it. Okay, so you are from the Melbourne Horror Film Society. I am. Want to tell everybody what is screening and what, what was it that inspired this Christmas themed show? Well, I mean, um, we've got a couple of great Christmas horrors coming up um, for the month of December. We have our final blood ritual for the year, which is at True North in Coburg. And it is going to be Gremlins. The best. I know. I said, would it be insane to do Gremlins? And the guys are like, no. It's perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. It is perfect. Yeah. I think uh, there are two horror Christmas movies that, you know, are the best, and it's Gremlins and yeah. Silent Night, Five. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a double that would yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I know it's on most people's list to watch every year anyway, but just come along to that screening and watch it in a in a group. It's, With yeah. people. And, well, I mean, yeah. there's not many people left that haven't seen no. Gremlins, but if you haven't, there's yeah. no better way to see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that'll probably be one. It's, it's pretty rare, actually, that we have, you know, like more people than not that have seen a film. Yeah, so yeah. I'd say that will be one that, yeah, that's that's on the other side of the scale. And then on Tuesday, December 20, so just before Christmas, you need to escape the house, I am showing The Day of the Beast. Wow. And I will not be attempting the Spanish pronunciation of that. <laughs> <laughs> It's usually no, me that fudges all yeah, the titles. Yeah, no. I'm going to be doing some French later. Okay. But, um, but definitely not this one. I couldn't even, wouldn't even know where to start. But, um, but it's a 1995 dark comedy horror. Um, a Catholic priest heads to Madrid to commit as many sins as possible to avert the birth of the beast on Christmas Day. There's your Christmas link. And ends up teaming up with a black metal aficionado uh-huh. and an Italian television host. And he's, his show is on the occult and they try to summon the devil in order to save the world. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, yeah, it's yeah. great. It's great fun. Lots of fun. There you go. So that screening almost wasn't going ahead because I uh, <laughs> went to put on my disc that I ordered 12 months ago um, earlier in the week and it didn't have English subtitles. <laughs> But it's okay. We've got a friend, a friend coming to the rescue. Well, you, we're mean, borrowing you, his you disc. Could have seized the opportunity to do a Hercules return and like narrate it from the back. Yeah, like, true, dub true. It, dub true. It with microphones. Yeah, no, yep, that'd be that'd yeah. be impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so when's that screening so again? So that is on Tuesday, December twenty. Awesome. Yeah. Where can people find the society? You can find us on at melbournehorrorfilmsociety.org and then also on all the socials. Yeah, definitely hit it up, people. If you've never been to one before, you've got to get along because it's heaps of fun. It's like-minded people enjoying the shit out of genre films. Yeah. Super inclusive. Awesome. Alrighty. So... Stick around because coming up, we've got Guillermo from Screen Realm with the movie news and then some fun and frivolity from the Kentucky Bonehead Weekly podcast. Uh, Jarrett is still not answering my calls, um, so he's out for the week. But instead, 
Here's our resident pervert. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Glenn and Melzy. Hello, everyone. Ben Helwig here, recording live from the Boulevard of Discarded Co-Hosts. So that's right. I'm currently sitting in a pile of rotten Keithy bits that surprisingly taste like Terry's chocolate orange. Even though I'm currently super busy with outside commitments, otherwise known as Monster Fest, I wanted to jump in and say a few words about a fantastic new Christmas-themed horror film called Christmas Bloody Christmas, directed by prolific genre impresario Joe Bagos and his partner in crime, producer-editor Josh Ethier, the team behind uh, Almost Human, Mind's Eye, VFW and Bliss. This Santa exploitation masterpiece follows the tidal wave of destruction left behind by a repurposed military cyborg come Toy Store Santa as he malfunctions and stalks the inhabitants of a small town on the night before Christmas. Starring the ridiculously gorgeous Riley Dandy, as well as Aussie Sam Delich and genre stalwarts Jeff Daniel Phillips and Jeremy Gardner, this film has more gory kills than any other Christmas horror movie I have ever seen. It also has more ass-eating than any other Christmas movie I've ever seen, and I spend Christmas Eve on Pornhub. Also, there's a little treat for all the uh, Parker Lewis Can't Lose fans out there, and I know there are a few, uh, as the Santa in question is played by none other than Abraham Ben Ruby. That's right, the great Larry Kubiak himself. Uh, the film will be available at some time in the near future on a shutter near you, but if you happen to live in Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, or Perth, you can catch this kick-ass Christmas horror flick at Shock Horror Monster Fest. That's right. It'll probably be your only chance to see this film on the big screen. So do yourself a Molly Meldrum and head to monsterfest.com.au slash Australia and grab yourself a ticket now. Back to you in the studio, Glenn and Melzy. Well, it should be said that Jarrett is up to his arse in Monster Fest commitments right now, <laughs> hence why he's not available. And as is Ben, both of them are organisers of that festival. As we record this right now, just ahead of the release date, they are still neck deep. So that's a lot of work for those two. So all the more reason to be grateful for Ben for getting that cheeky Absolutely. little cheeky little segment done for us. And last night would have been the closing night as well. So probably a few sore heads this morning. <laughs> probably a few sore heads that are wishing that I didn't have a microphone blasting their ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's almost like hair of the dog. Like, like... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Watch yourself, Glenn. <laughs> All right, Mousy, let's do this. Christmas horror movies. And, um, yeah, I mean, these are obviously very important types of horror films to you and I. Yeah. Um, but I want to know, are you like me? Can you only watch these at Christmas time? Yeah. Because I can't do them any other time of yeah. year. I've got to reserve them for Christmas. Yeah. And so if I miss that December window, mm. I'm fucked. Like, I can't watch them again until next year. And that's frustrating because sometimes you just feel like yeah, gremlins, right? Like yeah. How often during the year I feel like gremlins? Yeah. But not safer for Christmas. Yeah. It'll be that much more special. And then, like, last year I forgot to do it and I missed it. So yeah. I, I better get it in. You, like, yeah. I should get along to your you screen. You should. You should. What better way to do it? <laughs> oh. I must say one of my recommendations, not the first one, I screened back in 2016 and I did it as, because I kind of had to, I couldn't do it in December. So I did it as a Christmas in July. Yeah. But do you feel a bit wrong? Oh yeah. I don't, I don't don't like Christmas in July in general. I just had to, like, I just had to. I understand it. Yeah. That's that's our cold season. For the Americans listening, we do Christmas in July because it's it's when it's winter here. Yeah. And so we can, we can do the things that you guys do. (laughs) Yeah. The things that we watch. Well, I mean, we all, I mean, (laughs) it's funny. Our summer Christmas, right? 
Some people do the summer Aussie thing with the prawns and the seafood and the beer, right? And the shorts <clears throat> and the singlets, all that. And, and that's great. And that is very unique to us, right? Yeah. But then you do have some people that still do the roasts. Yeah. And oh, we do both. We do yeah. one meal is one. And then that's the other what meal I mean. Like, so it feels very <laughs> weird being a hot summer's day yeah. and eating that it, winter food. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, bit of a digression there. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the reins mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> <laughs> slaying it. Slaying it. <laughs> <laughs> the difference is you had that one written down. I did. I did. <laughs> I saw Fourth that wall. one coming from a mile away. <laughs> so quite often on the show, I talk about um, VHS covers and, and the video store days and, and movies that scared the shit out of me just by being a kid looking at the covers. Uh, and the Australian cover up, for example, of Silent Night, Deadly Night, the original one, mm. was so much scarier than the American one. The American one's a great poster and cover because it had Santa's arm going down mm-hmm, the chimney with mm-hmm, the axe. Mm-hmm. But the Australian one just had the silhouette of Santa in a doorway with an axe. Mm. And that, as a kid, terrified me. Yeah. Like, it scared the shit out of me. But another one, which I'm going to talk about now, is Don't Open Till Christmas. Oh. And this is, it's obviously my first recommendation, but this is a movie that, um, let's talk about the cover for a minute, yeah. right? <laughs> um, because imagine me being a kid in a video store going to the horror section. And this one has a very, very friendly looking Santa on the front mm-hmm. cover, right? And it's one of those cheap covers where it's just a photo. Like it's, they haven't even put much production value in it. It's just yeah. a, a photo of Santa. He's a jolly old guy with steel rim glasses, big brushy eyebrows. But then you've got that classic red slasher title up, up above yeah, him, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you have like screenshots from the movie down the bottom. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah. Beneath him, like, an old, yeah, like an old yep. roadshow cover. Yes, that's what I was picturing. Yep. And... Those images are really gory and gross. And yeah. one of them even has a chick getting her tit cut off. Yeah. And oh. like, you see nipple and everything yeah. and on the front cover. So <laughs> the fact you've got jolly old Nick in the middle. Yeah. Looking very wholesome. Yeah. And then all this horror going on around yeah. him. Yeah. That scared me. So yeah, naturally as a kid, you know, I was drawn to this yeah. shit. So it's a 1984 British movie uh, directed by quite a famous British actor called Edward uh, Purdom. He's been in lots of things. Uh, he, he actually plays the inspector in this in this particular film. Um, but he's been in lots of stuff like Julius Caesar and Diary of Anne Frank going mm-hmm. back to the, the 50s and 60s. He played, oh my God, he played um, the Dean in Pieces. Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, yes, which, yep, yep, yep. That's him. I like him. And so the story is about a serial killer that's killing Santa Clauses. You know, department store Santas, party Santas, um, you know, just anyone that's dressed. It could be a bum dressed as Santa. This serial killer's killing them. Mm. And so there's that component, which is kind of slashery. And then it sort of is juxtaposed with the police procedural stuff. So then you've got the detectives at Scotland Yard trying to figure out the case and track down the killer. And it's very much like a B-movie horror version of Alfred Hitchcock's Frenzy, if you've ever seen that, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's just, I mean, it's a very hard movie to sort of explain. Go onto YouTube and watch it for free. Yeah. Had a very, very troubled production. The the director stormed off the set, got fired, came back, and was replaced in the edit room. And so it's a very clunky movie. And in fact, when you watch it, you can see some really jarring edit points that don't mm-hmm. look like they should be there. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of the trouble production. It's not yeah. like they were censoring it or anything like that. Yeah. It was just sort of a, the editor's not here anymore. Mm. Who's around? Edit this. So oh, it was very okay. cheap and clunky, but the story's good. The production yep. value is great. It's genuinely creepy and scary. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, after you've listened to this show, go look up that poster, mm. the the the, uh, the cover art, the Australian cover yeah. art. Because the American and British cover art is 
proper. Like it's a very good poster design. Yeah, yeah. With I think it's a present <laughs> with a knife in it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. Um, but the Aussie ones where it's at. So yep. there we go. That is my first recommendation. Nice. Don't open till Christmas, but make sure you do watch it before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> otherwise you miss the boat and you have to wait till next year. <laughs> and not in July, definitely. Yep. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Now it's your turn. <laughs> There's a Christmas movie we should write. Christmas in July. Like, make it a yeah, horror film. Yeah. Aussie, Because we had, what was that Aussie uh, Christmas horror film? Was it Red Christmas with Dee Wallace? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So, you know, there's, yes. there's a market for these yeah. Aussie horror films. There it is. It's Christmas in July. Okay. Yeah. Screamed at Monster Fest. Well, it makes sense. Like, you know, phonetically, you got Friday the 13th, yeah. April Fool's Day. Mm. So you could have Christmas in July. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's do it. Let's we do got it. You and I write it. All right. Cool. <laughs> All right, go for it. We'll just do this first. All right, sure. <laughs> sure. All right, so my first recommendation is Deadly Games. So it's also known as 3615 code, and here comes my French, Pierre Noel, I think, I think, dial code Santa Claus, Game Over, and Hide and Freak. I am right. thrilled you've chosen this because I love yeah. this Yeah. <laughs> So it's a French horror thriller that pretty much was only available on bootleg until around 2018 when it premiered in the States at Fantastic Fest. It was the first film from writer-director Renee Manzor. I feel like I'm like getting these. Um, <laughs> oh, then, 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 then someone's listening they're yeah, like, oh no, my God. No. You haven't got them at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, as soon as you think you do, yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah. You probably sound completely bogan to them. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, definitely that. <laughs> definitely that, but just like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Aussie Christmas. <laughs> so he went on to work for Steven Spielberg and George Lucas um, and directed some episodes of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles on the back of them seeing this and his second feature, Labyrinth or Dadalis. This is where it gets a bit in attempted so Deadly Games pl- uh, tells the story of a young boy, Thomas, who's like a little Rambo MacGyver, yep. like absolute wonder kid who lives in a huge mansion that's filled with toys and includes a secret toy cave. And he's left at home alone, home alone, <laughs> home alone on Christmas Eve with his elderly puppy, puppy? as his mum, who owns like the biggest toy shop in France or multiple of them and she goes to work until all hours of the night. So long story short, their house is invaded by such <laughs> oh, a creepy mm-hmm. Santa figure, psychotic Santa figure and all hell in shoes. Now you might have noticed <laughs> that I said home alone just before. <laughs> Sorry, this movie is Crazy similar, or sorry, I should say Home Alone is crazy similar to this movie. Yep. And apparently it either almost went to court or was settled out of court yep. or something like that because of the Correct. similarities. Um, and yet there's absolutely no yeah. denying. So imagine Home Alone for adults. Yes. Except it's still a kid. Like Yes, yes. But the violence yes. is adult yes, violence. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and there's real stakes. Yes. Yeah. In fact, the new movie, um, Violent Night with oh, David yes, Harmer. Yes, yep. um, What's his name? David um, Harbour. Harbour. Yeah, yeah, I knew it was like Stranger close. Things, yeah. yes. So that is like Die Hard meets Home Alone, but the oh. Home Alone elements of it reminded me of this yeah, movie. Right. So that's yeah, right. Yeah. Very good comparison there. Yeah, yeah. So for Deadly Games, the kid that plays Thomas is 
I think he's amazing. He is. He's bloody awesome. Like you feel for him so much. Like it's like I cry when I watch it. <laughs> of course oh you my do. god! Of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> um, and he's the son. Of, I didn't know this until this. But he's the son of the director, and now has this huge career in Hollywood, like as a visual. Yep. Yeah. In visual Amazing. effects, um, like on huge blockbusters. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because the fact that his dad got taken to Hollywood. Yeah, by the, by true. At, at, around that time that he was growing up. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Yeah. God, I didn't even think of that. Um, so Where Home Alone is polished and perfect, in my yeah, opinion. It is. I, I it love is. it. Oh, good. I'm glad you agree. Um, and obviously, like, geared more toward comedy and the family audience. Um, Deadly Games is dark and gritty and it's pretty batshit. Yeah. Totally. Pretty, like pretty batshit. There's like a full music video in the middle of it. There's like a <laughs> montage. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, a montage that includes the burial of somebody. That's really sad. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> and then, but then it goes from that into him like getting like pumped up for like the final showdown. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's it's good. Um, and it's now available on Shutter. Is it really? Yeah, that's where I rewatched it the other night. I'm going to have to go and watch that. What's the quality like on there? Because I remember watching it years ago. It was VHS and so... No, I think it was fine. Like, I mean, to be honest, I was watching it on the um, tablet it's because probably, I was having to do stuff at the same like time. probably the but... quality of a Blu-ray, maybe. Yeah, or even yeah. Even I if think, it's a DVD, yeah. it's better than VHS. Yeah, 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 yeah. But wow. yeah, so, yeah. Super excited. You'd recommend. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from Screen Realm, that's ScreenRealm.com and Screen Realm on YouTube. As always, I'm here to share some of the movie news stories that dropped during the past week, kicking off with a new movie about Bruce Lee. This one is going to be coming from Oscar-winning filmmaker Ang Lee, whose credits include Brokeback Mountain, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Life of Pi, among other films, and set to play Bruce Lee is Mason Lee, Ang Lee's son. The screenplay is going to be coming from Oscar-nominated screenwriter Dan Futterman, whose credits include Foxcatcher and Capote. It's the latest attempt at this screenplay, which has had various versions. Speaking to Deadline, the outlet that broke the news, Ang Lee said, Accepted as neither fully American nor fully Chinese, Bruce Lee was a bridge between East and West who introduced Chinese Kung Fu to the world. A scientist of combat and an iconic performing artist who revolutionized both the martial arts and action cinema. I feel compelled to tell the story of this brilliant, unique human being who yearned for belonging, possessed tremendous power in a 135-pound frame, and who, through tireless hard work, made impossible dreams into reality. Ang Lee's son, 32-year-old Mason Lee, has apparently been training for this film for quite a while now. The actor's credits include an appearance in Ang Lee's Billy Lin's Long Halftime Walk and The Hangover Part 2. He also recently starred in Taiwanese romantic comedy Stand By Me and Hong Kong drama Limbo. Uncharted Venom Zombieland director Ruben Fleischer is set to direct an adaptation of the graphic novel Marjorie Finnegan, which comes from the boys and preachers Garth Ennis. The graphic novel's official description is as follows. All Marge wants to do is race up and down the time lanes, stealing every shiny, gleamy, pretty, sparkly thing she can lay her hands on. But her larcenous trail draws the beady eye of the temporal PD, whose number one deputy marshal is now hard on her tail and taking things extremely personally. The graphic novel is described as an action-packed time travel epic. The trailer has been released for Transformers Rise of the Beasts, which you can of course watch on Screen Realm. And along with the trailer's release is news that Peter Dinklage, Liza Koshy, John DiMaggio, David Zobolov, and Michael J. Rodriguez, among many others, have joined the film as voice cast members. Dinklage is the voice of Scourge, Koshy as the voice of Arcee, DiMaggio as the voice of Stratosphere, Zobolov as Battletrap. 
This one isn't directed by Michael Bay, it's directed by Stephen Capel Jr, whose credits include Creed 2, Grown-ish, and The Land. The film, which stars Anthony Ramos, Dominic Fishback, Michelle Yeoh, Pete Davidson, Peter Cullen, and more, will be hitting cinemas in June 2023. That about does it for me, be sure to hit Screen Realm up on YouTube, I've got video reviews up for the bloody Christmas action film Violent Night, as well as the cannibal romantic drama Bones and All. Thanks so much for having me, catch you next week. Shut up, all you idiots, you little shits should listen to me. Did I fail to mention your attention's now obligatory? How I do adore having the floor to tell you what's on my mind. I've become the man I always planned precisely at the right time. All my life they told me I would never succeed. Nothing's gonna stop me now. It took me time to blossom, I know. But I'm all fired up and I'm ready to go. Nothing's gonna stop me. So anybody that's listening that has not seen Anna and the Apocalypse, mm. make sure you add that to your Christmas watch list this year. That is fantastic. That song is from it. Um, <laughs> it's called Nothing's Gonna Stop Me. It's by an actor called Paul Key. He's in the film. And you might remember him from the 90s. He was a character called Dennis Pennis. Do you remember him? He used to be on the red carpets of all these events and he would roast and ridicule all the stars oh. very offensively. And you wondered how the fuck he got away with it. Yeah. Uh, such... A great character. Anyway, he's in the film. He was also in that Afterlife with Ricky Gervais recently. He played oh, yeah. the really crude uh, psychologist. Uh, anyway, yeah, a zombie Christmas musical that has to be seen to be believed. I just love it.
Um, but that was our other thought. If we weren't doing Gremlins, oh, we're gonna do Anna and yeah, the Apocalypse. Yeah, that was another. It's thought. a great crowd movie, mm. like, but it's it's also a movie that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Because it's 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 musical in a classic musical sense. Yeah, you know, dancing and singing, and it's very yeah. jolly and jovial, and and then you got a zombie apocalypse happening at the same yeah. time. Yeah, but, um, yeah. If you can really get into it, it's yeah, fun. Anyway, now's my favourite part of the show. Yay! <laughs> Let's talk about Silent Night, keep Deadly it cool, Night. Keep it cool, keep it cool, keep it cool. Let's talk about the franchise before we play our oh, chat let's. with Brian. Um, what a wonderful, if not hodgepodge type of franchise oh. this is. I'm going to run through them here just to uh, explain this to people. If you're a fan of this show, you know these movies already. Uh, but for the benefit of those that haven't, the first movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night, it's, um, it's a standalone Christmas horror slasher movie that is... Possibly one of the best Christmas yep. horror films ever made. For sure. Most iconic, at least. Mm-hmm. About a guy called Billy who suffers PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and he essentially dresses up as Santa and goes on a killing spree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quite... It's, it's like, if you really think about the story... It's heartbreaking. It's fucking heartbreaking. It is. It's a it devastating really, story. It really, really is. And the, the funny thing is, like, most... Slasher movies, they give you a backstory and a reason for the, mm. the killer, mm. right? And they're never as um, emotionally charged yeah. as, as that one. Yeah. And then you, you put it at Christmas time as well. Yeah. And it really wasn't his fault. Like, it really... <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we've got part two, which I believe is your favourite. Is... You fucking love it. You get you get half of the first one. Yeah, I was about to say, it's You mostly... get all the highlights of the first it's one. flashback central. And then you get Eric Freeman. Yeah, so it's about... It's about no. um, Billy's baby brother, Ricky. Ricky, who yeah. pretty much grows up to do the same shit. Well, yes. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you get flashbacks from him, which is half the... Half Half of the runtime of the second one is the first movie. <laughs> and they're told in flashbacks from Ricky. Ricky as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> very, very vivid flashbacks. Yeah, very vivid. Very vivid. Like four times the mum's yeah. bloody top getting ripped open. Yep. Four times, like over and over and over again. Yep. And um and he's he's retelling the story to a um a psycho oh, you know, he's he's yeah. in, in in an institution and locked up and um he's telling the story to a um to a psych <laughs> or whatever and um and then so that's where you get half of the movie and then he gets out and goes on the best <laughs> come at me people, yeah. the best fucking killing spree. It's pretty good. Oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Oh, it's amazing. There was a movie that took the premise of the psych- psychology stuff in the prison mm-hmm. um, called The Ugly, a New Zealand slasher film a few years ago. And when you watch that, all you can think about is Silent Night. Yeah, Night right. Too. Yeah. But then we had part three, which had Bill Mosley as Ricky continuing the killing and rounding off the the first trilogy, I guess you would say. So I, so I watched that for the first time <laughs> the other night. It's weird. <laughs> Whoa. It's, um, and then like... Reading a lot of the stuff about the, I mean, it had a very troubled production, and yeah, um, yeah. but it's lots of um, uh, like very David Lynch and his actors fr- that went on to Surreal be in his stuff. films, and yeah. yeah, and so it's very different. And Ricky is not Ricky is not the Ricky that we got we got to know in part two, yeah. But and he just really stumbles around, and yeah. and um, <laughs> there's not as much there's not that much personality like I to said, it. It's a hodgepodge of a franchise, it is, yeah. especially when you consider that part four, directed by Brian Yuzna, <laughs> is a standalone movie in every sense, has nothing to do with the first mm. two. It's about a witch's coven. 
and it takes place at Christmas, but otherwise not that related to Christmas, really. Also has a Ricky, but not the Ricky that we know. And Either of any of the Rickies that we know previously. And wasn't the Ricky in part four, <laughs> he, Clint Howard? Yes, and then he he's, makes an appearance in part five as one of the um, mall Santas. I oh, know, but with the same name. Yeah, with, as Ricky. So but this like, is so weird. It's so weird. So weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you want to hear some great conversation about part four, Brian Usner was on our show earlier in the year. We had him for a full, like, 90 minutes to, to um, two hours. And he talks about part four, leads the conversation through to part five. So mm. you can hear a lot more stuff than what we're going to talk about straight from the horse's mouth. Mm-hmm. But, yes, part five he did write and produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the all-important, you know, installment for me. It's, it's a personal favourite, as I said right at the start. It's a matchmaker for us. Absolutely. We um, wouldn't be here, or I wouldn't be here anyway if it wasn't for absolutely. that movie. And so let's not waste any more time because we don't need to say anything about this because you know, you're about to hear all about it. This guy is a legend, Brian Bremer, and you're going to learn all about him. This film's over 30 years old. Can you believe it? God. And we just, even though it's 30 years old, we just want to lay out the spoiler warning. Yes. Simply because we do talk about some spoilers in this. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's 30 years old. But if you are that kind of person that cares. Go and put it on right now. Pause the show. Watch the movie. Come back. Yeah. Brian, welcome to Good Movie Monday. Um, We are absolutely thrilled to be chatting with you because uh, Mel and I, uh, we actually met because of our mutual love for Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. Oh, you're kidding me. No. All because of you. Oh, that's wonderful. You guys, that makes, that makes my heart sing. <laughs> that's incredible. Well, in fact, I think it was earlier this year, um, Mel was hosting a screening of Brian Yuzna's Society. And then, yeah. you know, about 10 o'clock at night, I get a text message saying, it's Pino, like she recognized you in the film. <laughs> Because that's that's where our, our, our yeah that's where our history begins. So yeah, we oh, are. That's chuffed. incredible, you guys! Wow, and I'm glad you seen society, Mel. I'm really happy to hear that's really come into the consciousness here in the last couple of years. And it's fun to make a movie, you know, so many years ago, and suddenly it starts getting this resurgence, uh, and you know, people start seeing it. So thank you for showing it. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, and that I must say, in the ten years that the society has been, the society has been running. That, yes. like, the ending of society has been the biggest reaction that we've had in the crowd. Like, everybody, I actually I actually was taking some secret photos of people because people's jaws were dropping. <laughs> and just, like, it was raucous. Like, people were just like, oh, my God. That is amazing. I would amazing. love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Every, everybody... Music. Everybody loves a yeah. good shunting, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> we had um we we had Brian Usner on the show earlier this year, and and oh, um yeah. he ju- all he wanted to talk about was shunting. It was hilarious. That's funny. <laughs> He's a wonderful guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's so funny. Oh, I'd love to see Brian again. He keep we keep uh, our names keep crossing in different circles because you know we just released Silent Night Five uh, as a compilation. And uh, they interviewed me for the behind the scenes and I got to talk a lot about Brian. And last year I did a show, one of the horror cons, and the people that interviewed me actually had a quote from him about me that was the nicest thing in the world. And I really do love him, I really yeah. do. And we, we've kept in touch kind of sporadically, you know, but I'd love to work with him again or just see him again, you know. He's, a, he's the sweetest guy. You never believe all that stuff comes out of his head. 
Yeah. Well, you know, you interviewed him, so you know he's just yeah. He's really he gave us he gave us that. two hours of his uh, of his best. It was fantastic. He even oh, sang us. He even, he even made up songs about shunting. So you know. oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> All these years later, it's still in his head. But for the benefit of our um our listeners, yes. you've got quite um a, a fantastic body of work. But those um those first movies were particularly amazing for horror fans you had pumpkin head you had society spontaneous combustion and of course silent night deadly night five i want to know how did you get into acting and how did you find yourself a staple amongst these cultish horror films well isn't that funny you know you never know when you're making a movie what's what's going to become of it especially these movies because pumpkin head especially you know we made it i think in 89 uh it came out in the theaters in los angeles and a few cities for about two weeks and then they pulled it uh, De Laurentiis Group went bankrupt, MGM bought it, put it on the shelf, and there it sat. And years later, HBO started running it, which is really funny because I did a TV series recently called Rectify, uh, and one of the uh, executive uh, or one of the executives from the Sundance Channel came up to me at the rap party and he goes, "Oh, you're the kid from Pumpkinhead. Yeah, I worked at HBO when we started airing that one." I'm like, "Oh my God, it's thank you, thank you." Because that then it had this life, and then Sci-Fi Channel picked it up. It's so weird what a small world it is. Yep. Sci-Fi Channel picked it up and started running it, and that's really when it got popular. So the move that movie didn't even get popular for ten years. So it's funny when you're making them, you're just thinking, well, it's a job and it, a wonderful creative job. These were some of the best movies I, I mean, best experiences I ever had. But uh, anyway, to answer your question, um, I started acting in high school, like a lot of us do. I found my tribe in the drama club, and I actually started winning awards. And that was the first time I'd ever won an award for anything. Um, and I got a scholarship to Pepperdine University out in California, full ride. And at first I was going to go to the University of South Carolina because that's where we were living and you could go for free. And my dad was like, well, that's where you're going. That's where you're going. <laughs> and then I got a scholarship to Pepperdine and that was a full free ride. He's like, well, that's where you're going, son. <laughs> so I did. And that got me to Los Angeles. And so I'd been acting in high school and, and you know, and then I started acting in college uh, and actually did uh, one of the first plays I did and how an agent saw uh, it's actually, it was the receptionist at a talent agency, and she came up to me after the play, and she said, I'm going to get you into the, to see the gauge group. I'm going to get you in to see the agents. I'm like, oh. So they, I did. They signed me, and then I started working in Los Angeles in film and TV while I was going to school, and I worked it yeah. out so that I could, you know, work extra hard, pay off my scholarship, and still do the movies. And Pumpkinhead was not my first on-camera job, but it was my first feature. And I remember that audition very, very well. I uh, auditioned for casting director Billy DeMotta, and then I ended up going to see Stan Winston for a callback. And I'll never forget this because it was in Van Nuys or some little strip mall on the second floor. And I went up to audition and Stan was there. And a lot of the cast was there because they'd already been cast. And the, and the callback scene was the scene in the church where Bunt tells them the whole thing like this is what mm -hmm. happens when a man does a man wrong and it can conjure up a demon in another man's name and all this and we're in this little office building in Reseda and I'm standing like next to a door like this and we're doing the scene and all of a sudden on the other side of the wall somebody goes you scared the shit out of me I did the best callback of my life and I got the movie and then later that night or, or yeah or the other a couple of days later I'm, I, I was watching the Oscars because this was around the time the Oscars were being presented. And Stan Winston walks across the stage to collect his best Oscar for uh, the Queen Alien in Alien. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I had no idea who he was at the time. Because remember, <laughs> I'm like 22 years old. I didn't yeah. know anything. So I call my mom right away. In, back, She was back here in South Carolina. 
I said, mom, mom, that's the guy. That's the guy. I'm doing a movie with that guy, with that guy right there. So that's how I got started. And then I did a lot of film and TV in LA and, and you know, worked pretty consistently. And I don't know how I kind of fell into the, the niche of these movies that all hit the cult nerve. But after Pumpkinhead, I auditioned and got Society. And I remember Brian Yesna telling me, like three weeks into shooting, he's like, he walks, I'm sitting on the couch waiting to do our scene. I think this is close <laughs> when we're doing the shunning scene. And he walks up behind me on the couch. He goes, so you're the kid from Pumpkinhead, huh? <laughs> like he didn't even know. Yeah. You know, so I got that part, regard, but he knew Pumpkinhead yeah. was cool. And then he was really responsible for Silent Night 5 because he executive yeah. produced Silent Night 5. And he had me in, and I think he really pushed for me to do that role. So I owe him a lot. And, and then, you know, Spontaneous <clears throat> Combustion with Toby Hooper. I mean, that was just an amazing experience. And I did know who Toby was. Of course, at this, by this point, I knew yeah. who all these people were. And I was a big horror fan, too. I had a kid come up to the last show I did, and he's like, oh, man, I grew up watching your movies. We used to smoke joints in the basement and watch all your movies. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, you're Twisted Walt Disney. <laughs> but I'm like, no. I did too, like not necessarily smoking the joints, but you know, oh sure, but maybe. sure, sure. Yeah, but you know, I grew up watching Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, you know. Anyway, so it's a thrill for me that these movies have become what they've mm. become, and I really can't believe it. I'm, yeah. I'm humbled and just stunned that people even know them and want to talk about them, and can, mm -hmm. you know, so. Well, let's talk about. Let's talk about Silent Night 5 because, you know, definitely my favorite Christmas horror film of all time. I watch it every year. I talk about it on the show probably more than I should. But what I want to know is, like, the That's actual amazing. franchise itself is pretty clunky. Yeah. You know, it's all over the shop. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's amazing that part one and part five are the best installments in the franchise by far. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. So I'm wondering what, how do you react to being offered part five in a franchise that until that point had been quite messy? Is it an easy yes? Or do you, do you have to think about that? It's a very easy yes. When your agent calls and says, you got the job. Yes. yes, <laughs> yeah. it is. It's a very easy. Yes. Remember I was a starving actor. I, you know, and, and actually Lance Henriksen said this once, and I think this is absolutely true. I mean, he really impacted me a great deal. He said, you always honor the work. That's mm. your job as an actor. You honor the work. I mean, you set your, you have parameters, right? Now, like you set, there are things you won't do or things that you will do that someone else won't do or vice versa. But when it comes to the work, you honor the work. I did not go into that script or into that audition at all thinking, oh my God, what is this? This is ridiculous. This is silly. I went in saying, I'm going to play this inhuman character. I'm, I get to play this non-human character and not just a non-human character, but he's the killer and not just a killer, but he's hurt and he needs something. I mean, this was, I salivated over it. I remember, uh, I remember preparing for the audition because nothing was a given with any of my, you know, it never was, it never is. Mm -hmm. I'm still very much a working actor and I audition all the time and I get turned down for a lot more than I book, but you know, that's, that's the actor's life. Yeah. So you nothing's ever given. But I remember my friend had a house in Mandeville Canyon in Los Angeles, and I took a broomstick and I put it down my back and through my blue jean pants so that I could get that kind of stiffness and then tried to walk as naturally as possible. And, you know, that's kind of how I prepared for the audition that I didn't take the broom into the audition, but I had <laughs> down. Yeah. And I wrote this whole story of, of 
Pinot. I, I actually, it's the it's the first time as an actor because Bunt in Pumpkinhead, Bunt came very naturally to me. I grew up in the Southern United States. I I grew up in North Carolina. I know the folklore, and I have the natural Southern accent when I put it on. And I just felt like I really got into that character. But playing Pino was so much fun because it was a non-human character. And I mean, there's nothing more amazing that was sympathetic. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Found it yeah, right, definitely. So I remember journaling. And I would sit on the set and journal. I would sit there and stay in character <laughs> and just like write a, a diary in between takes, like the whole time, like as this, 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 this creature that just wanted love and just like wanted to be accepted and wanted to be like, like the real children, you know? So, well, one of yeah, my so favorite... I took it very seriously. Yeah. Sorry, one of no, my favorite scenes. No, no, you're right. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is just when you're alone in the house, and you know what comes to be your old house, and you've got yeah. the feet tapping at the end of the bed, and you're looking for all the things. And, and it's something I must admit, I didn't know what the twist was, and I didn't know until it was revealed. Yeah, I oh, good. And, and and I actually screened the film uh, last December for Christmas for the society for the um, horror society, and there was a mix of people whether they picked up on it or not and um and I was wondering how much focus was there on how much you play it up or are you trying to keep it under wraps did you just presume that everybody would pick up on it or what no was I think I I remember that day shooting that scene that you're talking about I yeah. loved that day I loved getting yeah. to walk around the house alone and looking into the the Christmas ornament and like looking at himself and like all of this kind of self-discovery basically pretending he was Derek you know that's kind of how he was yeah. approaching that like this is his life and you know it's funny now my memory could be foggy but I don't know that we ever really discussed how much to give away and, and how not. Yeah. I think I played him very real and very sympathetic. Yeah. And I certainly like, you know, wasn't talking like until the end. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think they just kind of thought what I did because I prepared to do it that way. I think they just thought, okay, this is working. And so yeah. I don't remember yeah. everyone saying, play it more, play it less. Cause then it's a big change yeah. at the end when obviously he's sort yeah. of start going bonkers. Well, I think that the the genre itself is the cloak that sort of hides it because characters can be weird and people just assume that they're just weird eccentrics, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's so really true. Is it is it safe to say that Pino is your favorite character that you've played? Like you're you're welcome to say no, but just because we're talking definitely about one it, of. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely one of. I mean, it it was the most fun I had as an actor. I really loved uh playing Bunt in Pumpkinhead. I also loved um um playing the bookstore owner in Rectify. This is a TV show I did a couple of years ago for Ray McKinnon. That was another character, Chet, that I just felt like I knew. Yeah. And I felt like I knew the scene and the scene was so well written. Like the writing was so good on that show that you could just say the words and the words did the work. And I remember even the casting director telling me, you know, you're not what Ray had in mind for this character at all. Uh, he, he, it's based on someone he knows and he envisions something much different than you but i am telling him she said to me i'm telling him you're the guy and he let me be the guy um so that was that was very rewarding and a lot of fun but but i would say it's it's a toss-up between bunt and Pumpkinhead and pino yeah. only because Pumpkinhead was my first movie stan was an, it was just an amazing experience and we were on location so we were out like on location the whole time so we really bonded 
but as an actor, if someone asked me this, someone actually asked me at a, a, a panel I did a couple of months ago what my favorite uh, role I'd ever played was, and Pino was the first thing that came out of my mouth. Yeah. So I got to say Pino. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. magic. It's and magic. I love that people love him. You know, this is, in the last couple of years, this is all new to me. Yeah. You know, I people have sent me stuff over the years, like, will you sign this? Will you do that? But I had no idea. I had no idea there was so much love for the movie. I had no idea. And uh, same, same. I knew Pumpkinhead was out there and, and a lot of people loved it, but, but I just had no idea. So it just thrills me beyond belief. Yeah. That, and as you said, like, he's a very sympathetic character. Like, you really feel for him. And like, all the things, like, the family themes in the movie, it's just, it's really quite heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And that's how I felt about it when I did it. So, I mean, I think from a fun point of view, it was definitely the, my my favorite character to play because again you get yeah. to play this non-human. I mean that's very very rare. It's very rare that, that any actor gets to play a monster or a non non-human sympathetic yeah. murderer. Yeah, and I think <laughs> fan, fans probably latch on to Pumpkinhead and, and Silent Night more than others because it's festive and you only reserve it for that one time of the year. You, you know, I think so. It's like, the, it's like the Christmas tree; you dust it off and bring it out. You know that one time only and sort of uh <laughs> that's how i look at it yeah that's how i look at myself too glenn i just dust myself <laughs> up and bring myself out once a year that's, it. that's what it's getting um, to be a little bit of uh <laughs> this, this this question would be the elephant in the room as far as um silent night deadly night and uh horror fans are concerned but let's talk about mickey rooney here because famously oh, yeah. Famously, he protested the original film like it was a big deal at the time. And yet yeah. a few years later, he pops up as like essentially the lead in part five. Yeah. That was a real head scratcher. Was there much buzz around that on the set? Were people talking and sort of speculating about why he would come back to a, a franchise that he protested? Not at all. I, it wasn't spoken of at all, at least to me. Now, remember, yeah. I'm just one actor on the, I mean, I'm the co-star on the set, but I'm just one actor. No, and I didn't even, I didn't know that until years after that yeah. he had actually had a problem yeah. with the first movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never would have known it. I mean, God rest his soul. I mean, he, he was an actor. He collected the paycheck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and listen, he he did a great job. Talk about honoring the work. He he was amazing to work with. Um, first of all, it was Mickey Rooney, and yeah. of course I knew who he was. Uh, he was one of my grandma's favorites. He's one of my favorites growing up. You know, watching the Andy Hardy stuff and and all the stuff with Judy Garland. And he did talk about Judy Garland all the time. He'd just written that book like too short. So yeah, so just all the time. Uh, but he signed a copy of the book for my grandma. He was wonderful to work with. Interestingly, he never learned his lines. It never learned his lines. Uh, right before the scene, the script supervisor would give just the little scene we're about to shoot. He would look at it and go, okay, let's go. <laughs> he, had a, he, he had a photographic memory. A photographic memory. And then he would nail it word for word. He would nail it. He didn't believe in over-rehearsing. He thought film, unlike theater, film had to be kind of spontaneous. And I kind of agree with that. Like things happen in that initial moment. So you always shoot the rehearsal, right? And and not that there wasn't a lot of preparation, for example, for me to play Pino, I think, as a character. But he would just read the scene, put it down and do it every single time. And I was like, oh my God. And then you think, well, he'd done 177 films by that point. So yeah. that is just the way he did it. Yeah. Uh, one really funny story I have to tell you about Mickey, though, and I know we—I don't know how much time we have. <laughs> yep, go for it. They go for it. Get, you know, it's just, are we okay to tell this? Yep. I mean, he's dead, so I won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but he they had to get a lot of insurance on him obviously right if anything happened to him on set huge liability right oh i have so many stories but i gotta tell you this one so there's he he used to like you know mess with the crew because of and he thought it was hilarious so the scene in the movie where we he chases me down into the basement right mm-hmm. and we have our big fight the basement is actually built on the stage level yes. and there's a big catwalk about 30 feet up or 20 feet up and and we're waiting on the catwalk that's been built for us and the stairs run down into the basement so we're actually running down to stage level from a catwalk that's built in the studio yep. and it was a really rickety catwalk and we we did several takes you know and we're standing up there at one point side by side and he goes hey watch this and he starts tap dancing on the catwalk oh no <laughs> catwalk starts swaying like this right? <laughs> and, then, and the assistant director i'll never forget the assistant director runs up he's like oh, mr rooney uh, uh, mr rooney if you would mind please sir please you know so, so he knew and he was really fun and had a funny funny sense of humor the he had just done like the David Letterman show or the Tonight Show or something like the night before. And one memory I have is he invited me into his trailer and he and his manager and I sat there watching him on the Tonight Show from the night before. And yeah. he's like critiquing his performance. I, right. like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Or, I should have been funnier there or whatever. And the manager's like, well, next time say this and don't forget to say this and this. And like, this is surreal, man. Wow, so I found oh. that quite amusing too. That Melzi, you've got Judy Garland on your mug. I, don't, I was just saying myself, wow. you were there and oh, wow. it. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> <laughs> it's serendipitous. Oh, that's a great mug. Mel. Oh, that's really Meant cool. To be. Oh, that's really cool. cool. Yeah, they even changed the color when there's hot liquid in there. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, Mel, so <laughs> So we all change color when there's hot liquid in there. <laughs> <laughs> there's a horror movie in that. We'll we'll brainstorm some ideas. But um, you sure. do you do a lot of conventions these days, and in fact, you recently did yeah. Scarefest. I used to host yeah. the Scarefest podcast, and um, yeah, from Australia with them. So yeah, go oh, figure. how cool. Yeah, but what I wanted to ask you, and you kind of answered this before, when you go to the conventions, who do you get recognized for the most? Well, it's interesting because uh, Pumpkinhead, number one, I think the majority, like people can quote that movie, Um, but, but also a fair amount of people for Silent Night 5. So it it depends on the show. Like this last Scarefest, they had me sitting next to Lance Henriksen. So there was this big, like, oh, it's kind of a Pumpkinhead reunion because they've never done that. They still haven't done that. And, uh, and so people were really excited. Like they had come to see both of us. Um, or they, you know, were just excited that we were both there together. So Scarefest, far and away, I sold out of every pumpkin head picture I had just about, you know, and so that was really cool. But but a lot of people came to for Silent Night 5 too. And interestingly, there's always this small but growing group of people that come for society. Yeah. And they're very, very rabid about it. Like they're really intensely <laughs> focused on it. Like it's their favorite. Like they just love that movie. And so it depends on the show, because I did a show, uh, a smaller show, about a month before Scarefest, and that was, by and large, like, there were a lot of people there for Society and Silent Night 5, and Amazing. just a few Pumpkinhead people, so it's weird, it just depends, I guess, on the show. Can you, can you imagine the, can, can you imagine the shunting cosplay? That'd be interesting. Can you yeah. imagine? Five, five people in the one costume. Never again, <laughs> from your lips to God's ears, man, because you're <laughs> I have one fun 
convention story about Brian Yesna and the shunting and all that stuff. Oh, please. So, so <laughs> we do the movie, and this this was when I met Wes Craven. This is when I got to meet Wes Craven, and it was just a disaster. So Brian Yesna said to me, we're going to go do this show. Down. It wasn't Comic-Con in San Diego, but it was something like that. It may have been yeah. Comic-Con. It was a big show. This was years mm. ago. And he said, so we're going to have the butthead guy. Remember the father turns himself inside out? <laughs> certainly do. Little butthole. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, awesome. He says, so we got the prosthetic, but the actor's not available. How about you do it? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, Brian, really? And of course, I'm like, okay, sure. You know. Career highlight, right? There. <laughs> yeah. So I go down there. I sit in. And, and so basically, I'm in the booth for society with Brian Yesner. Brian's there. And I'm on my knees. <laughs> And the table is here and my head is sticking through the butt thing, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm having to act like the butt <laughs> guy. People are coming up and just like trying to shove stuff in my mouth. And, oh, no. You know, all this, all, all this awful. <laughs> and then at one point, Brian goes, oh, hey, I want you to meet somebody. So yeah. the handlers get me up because I can't see. <laughs> and they walk me over next door and there's Clive Barker. Did I say West Craven? Yeah. Clive Barker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clive Barker. Clive Barker, far out. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, oh. into that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say, he's into the BBC. Uh, really an audience. Not a bad audience for that. <laughs> well, he didn't ask me out. That's all I, I can I was about tell to say, you. you're lucky he didn't have a go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, oh my God, it's Clive Barker. And, and I'm going, and I have this, these prosthetic teeth in my mouth. I'm like, it's me too, Mr. Barker. <laughs> That was my fun convention story. Oh, it might be, might be my favorite story ever told on the podcast. That's hilarious. Uh, now, um, we're about out of time. Before I let you run, yeah. um, I just want to tell people to go and look up your IMDb page because you've got lots of credits to your name. I particularly love a movie you did um, called Permanent a few years ago. Oh, that was a great film. You're my new best friend. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for seeing Permanent. I love that movie. I, it's a, it's not a genre movie, obviously, right? But yeah. it's a, a really sweet family movie. It's funny. It's great. It's really great. And it, it's not an easy one to come by down here, but um, if people yeah. want to find it, they will. But uh, one question before we go, um, just because you're based in Atlanta, mm-hmm. I want to know, like, is it hard these days to do auditions when you're so far away from where a lot of the action is? No, actually, this is a great place to be for the film and television industry right now. Yeah. Our, our film incentives have made it a real production hub. And awesome. it, it's either last year or the year before, we were the number one production hub. So there's plenty of opportunities here. My main focus now is voice acting, which which you may know. Um, Nick mm-hmm. in the Walking Dead video game, and I got to be Mr. Peanut this year. Um, and I found voice acting about 20 years ago, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. So I yeah. audition every single day. Yeah. Uh, multiple times a day and I book a fair amount of work yeah. and you really can live anywhere to, to yeah. be a voice actor you don't have to necessarily live in Los Angeles and then once in a while um, a casting director will ask me to audition and I never turn it down uh, because my dad always said you have to walk through every door that opens and and educate yourself about whatever you're doing and walk through every door that opens whether it's for you or not and you'll see if, if that opportunity was for you. So I end up doing a, an on-camera movie or a couple of movies a year, you know, something like that. But now I have to honestly tell you, and this is a real thing. Someone asked me this the other day and I had to really think about it, but now I get to meet the fans. And this is brand new for me, honestly. I have only done four shows so far and they've wow. gotten increasingly big. I mean, and it's, yeah. 
and it's so much fun and it's amazing. But, but meeting the fans makes me want to go back into on camera, specifically into the genre yeah. and do something yeah. for them. Like I want them to be able to have something to see me in, you know? So I'm thinking about kind of digging back in and, you know, redoubling my efforts and maybe getting back into the on camera world. I don't know. I love voiceover and it's really well, my thing. We're producing lots of horror films down here at the moment. So if any director awesome. producers are watching and, you know, looking for Call me. Exactly. <laughs> so I I'm think cheap. it's <laughs> I think it's safe to say really. it's it's safe to say that you're probably, you know, top three favorite guests I've had on the show by far. Oh, um, Glenn. Yeah. Thank and you. that's that's alongside Brian Usner too. So good company to be Well, doing. okay. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what well, thank you. What a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time. And I, I, I implore everybody out there to go and watch The Toy Maker this year for Christmas because... Uh, Thank you. Please do, everybody. Go watch it and get the new DVD yeah. set. Oh, and guys, I hope to get to Melbourne, seriously. Hopefully I'll get there for something and I want to be able to meet you both and see you both and take you out for a bevy, okay? Oh, without a that doubt. Will be appreciate wonderful. you having me. <laughs> we'll stay in touch, please, okay? Sure. Thank Definitely. you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you Thanks, so much. Brian. Well, welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Chad has lost his mind. This week, we're talking about Christmas movies. Christmas horror films, gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Christmas terror pictures, as they call them over here in the States. I don't know what they call them over there in, uh, in uh, where is he at again? New Zealand, ho, Australia? Ho, it's ho, ho, horror. Oh, all I heard was you say James's mom three times. All right. So who wants to go first? That's okay. I'll go first. I'm going to pick one that's really not all that old. You're going to steal I, it from me. So, that's, so I, I picked another one. Go ahead. That's okay. Well, I'm I, Krampus. Oh, that's not the one I thought you were going to go for. Okay. There you go. Krampus was directed by Michael Daugherty. Uh, he got to do a movie that we really, that's, that I still don't think it's enough credit. No, uh, it doesn't. I've, I, oh, my God. I forgot the name of it, Chad. The Halloween one. Though, uh, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat doesn't get enough credit. But it's directed by Michael Daugherty, and it actually takes on the Krampus mythos. Uh, it's it's German, right, James? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just sure. sit there, James. Just sit there. You I don't know, know why he asked German. you. He could have asked me, and I could you have said a lot it's about German. German mythos. Yeah. I actually no. It's a, see, <laughs> it sounded more used, Swedish. What used to happen is, <laughs> see, Santa and Krampus would both show up, and they would ask you to repeat Bible verses, and if you got them right, you got a gift from Santa. If you got them wrong. Krampus beat you with reeds, so you'd remember it was a very religious thing. Oh, I thought he shoved you in a bag and took you away and ate. That you. was that's that's part of the mythos too. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, often he would beat you, so you'd remember Bible verses because that's a good way to get kids to really. This is a nasty, mean little movie that I enjoy quite a bit. I haven't watched it in the last couple of years, but I'm hoping to get to watch it. It's low budget, fifteen million dollars. Actually, did quite well at the box office of sixty one. I was looking it back up. Adam Scott, yeah, I could give or take. David Koechner, I've met, and he's a good drunk. Tony Collette is one of the maybe one of the best actors working today. So check out Krampus if you never have 2015 Krampus. Who's next? James, go, you ahead, go. Chad. Yeah, I'm going to talk about one that I, honestly I don't even remember if it has much of a Christmas segment, <laughs> but I don't think enough people have seen it that I'm going to talk about the horror film that has the absolute best religious horror for Easter holidays. Directed the uh, directed Nicholas McCarthy, uh, Anthony Scott Burns, Kevin Kolsch, uh directed different segments, and it's all about terror 
linked to holidays. And honestly, the Easter segment I, it does feature a a Jesus bunny, uh, but it is one of the most unnerving scenes in horror, I think, because when I flash back to it, it still sticks with me, and I haven't seen the film uh, really since it came out, which would have been 2016. So if you've never seen Holidays and you like Christmas, uh, you like Christmas horror, check out the other. It's even got Father's Day covered. Check it out. All, All right. right. So, so, well, my pick is going to be, uh, my pick was going to be one that I didn't choose to talk about because I thought Joe was going to talk about it. Uh, so I went and looked at another Christmas horror film. So I'm going to talk about Puka. Either of y'all heard of Puka? I took one once. <laughs> uh, Puka is a is a horror movie about a man. He has moved to Los Angeles to become an actor. He's struggling, uh, and suddenly he's hired. Uh, to be an exclusive actor for this toy company who has releasing a brand new toy at Christmas time called Puka. And he gets to dress up in the Puka outfit and sell the toys. And it's a really hit, it's a really hit toy. Um, but as he puts on the suit, the slu- suit is slowly changing him into something evil. And it is a re- it, it it's slow. It's not really well made together, but it had an ending that I didn't see coming. And it was amazing. Uh, so I highly recommend Puka for the Christmas horror. It's really great. And there actually is a sequel called Puka Lives, which does not involve Christmas. It actually turns Puka into a, a cryptid. So there you go. Uh, so I highly recommend Puka. This has been our Christmas horror. 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 Oh, Bonehead Weekly Fun Side. You know, I'm glad that Chad did Puka because I wanted to do that one too. Hadn't seen it. Been keen on it for a long time. Christmas finally arrived. Mm-hmm. My chance. You can't get it in Australia. Oh. <laughs> so I couldn't find it anywhere. Not Chad to the rescue. Not easy to come by. So I'm glad <laughs> he at least covered it. Um, but yes. Just to make you even more jealous now. That's it. So there you go. <laughs> Bonehead Weekly Podcast. They're doing their thing. Uh, the full length show, Bonehead Weekly, is a fantastic podcast. You should all check it out. It's um anywhere you get podcasts from, but I highly recommend the YouTube version because you can see their interaction and you can see them. Mm. You know, like because Ben's a classic, likes to have a good laugh off mic. Yeah. Silent. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. if it was on video, you can see his reactions yeah. to such things, and that's what they do a lot of as well. Yeah. So you get a lot more for for it. Uh, if you May- do the maybe, maybe if I kick Ben off the show, I, I might get a gig when <laughs> yeah. you when you next go on their show. Totally, totally <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Come on, boneheads. Yeah, no, throw me a bone here. Well, I know Chad's <laughs> listening. <laughs> throw him a bone. <laughs> They're like, yeah, no, <laughs> let's not, let's not get her on. Those guys, uh, <laughs> Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas. Thank you very much to them. Uh, before that, you heard our chat with Brian Bremer, Malzi. Thanks so much for sitting in on that one. Oh, thank you for inviting me on it. It oh, was, was so fun to have you there to to chat with him. And like I said, because it's so sentimental to me, it was even. You know, it was pretty funny when you sent me the message to ask if I was working at the time that we would have been recording it. And I was just like, cause I mean, I would have been working and I, but I was just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're about to ask me what I hope you're about to ask really? me. Really? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. And, and then I was like, when you, said, when you said what it was, I was just like, I can do it. I'll do it. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I'm chuffed to hear that. Uh, but you, not only did you step up to the plate, you filled Ben's shoes perfectly. Oh, thanks. So that was a lot I do of have big feet. <laughs> Probably why my toenails falling off. No, I do. I've got really big feet, size ten. If anyone wants to buy me some shoes for my OnlyFans videos, (laughs) that's right. Oh my god! (laughs) So that's a big nail. (laughs) No, I've got really small toes. 
Like Big skinny. feet and small no, toes. No, I've got, okay, okay, here's the thing. I've got, I've got, I actually have really beautiful feet. They're long, they're long and skinny. They're long and skinny. Okay. Mm. Oh, excellent. <laughs> well, we'll have to make a video of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not OnlyFans because I, I when, can't afford when, that. <laughs> Tuesday video? Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, that's Brian. We'll have to do it Thursday. Oh, okay, another week. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky dip. Oh my god, lucky dip. Oh. And suddenly like my foot it's comes out of it. It's a nail. Oh. <laughs> Gross. I was just saying I'll I'll just uh pull back the curtains here for a second, but I was just saying to Glenn that my four year old son, I did show him the nail situation and even my four year old he was like he, he was starting to look a bit horrified and then he just looks at me and he goes, I don't want to see that <laughs> But I had nobody else to show. By far and wide, <laughs> most horrific thing on this show. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So it is You're really traumatized. No, you? like you've, you've kind of like, you've just stolen my thunder. I can't, there's nothing Sorry. scarier than that. So yeah, true. My recommendation. Uh, wrap it up, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Show's over. <laughs> so <laughs> my se- <laughs> I'm having a coughing fit here too. The residuals from COVID. Okay. So my next recommendation, um, it's, it's a little bit more ambiguous. It's not, explicitly a horror film, but it's horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a pleasant discovery. It's, um, mm-hmm. and, and everyone should check this out. It's called Silent Night. It's oh, not, yes. it's not the Silent Night remake. Oh no. Of Silent okay. Night, Deadly Night oh, from like yes. 2006. This yes. Is the two- that's, a, that's 2006. Yeah. The, the one what, that Monster put out. I'm pretty oh, sure. Either way. Yeah. Yeah. But that not, one. Not the 20... Stephen C. Miller remake or reboot. Which is pretty good. But it anyway. is pretty good. So, but this one, he's been on the show. A few years oh. ago as well, so go back and listen to that. Yeah. Uh, this is a 2021 movie, and it did piss me off when this title came out. Yeah. I'm like, There's too many movies with this title. You can think of something better. Uh, but that being said, it's an absolute beauty. It stars Matthew Good, Kira Knightley, uh, the main kid from Jojo Rabbit, who I can't remember mm-hmm. his name, um, and he's a foul-mouthed little shit in this one, um, <laughs> but he's fantastic. And it's all about a group of friends reuniting for Christmas dinner, bit like the big chill. Mm-hmm. It's like a big reunion. Um, but the occasion also happens to be on the eve of the end of humanity. So it's the last night on earth. Um, cause there's this giant poisonous gas that's coming over the, you know, the entire globe. Essentially the government has given everybody on earth suicide pills or everybody uh, except for the homeless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I guess there's some social Jeez, commentary going in yeah. there. So everyone's got Yikes. suicide pills and, and this story chronicles their last night together. And as reunion movies do, there's personal secrets and revelations mm. that come mm-hmm. out, uh, arguments and all that kind of stuff, which is very typical. Like that kind of bothers me with these movies. You know, when you get these you know, old friends reuniting, it's always you know, mm. bad blood and stuff like mm. that. But it works in this case because of the surrounding events that's yeah. happening. But this kid, the son, is particularly good because he's he wants to refuse to take the pill. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want to take the pill. And the adult's like, but the government have told us that if you don't take the pill, you're going to die horrific body melt mm. style death mm. right so then it's the parents trying to have a good night with their friends for the last time but also oh, got this little shit of geez. a son that they've also given him permission because it's his last night on earth to swear as much as he wants oh. so everything out of his mouth is f this f that f this f that right <laughs> which it got to a point where i'm like i'm really tired of this kid swearing yeah. like it's really obnoxious yeah but then I'm, thought, I'm thinking but if you were a kid and you were given that permission yeah you'd run with it yeah, right true. so it yeah. works Anyway, it's it's a very funny movie, but it's also heartbreaking and oh. entirely terrifying oh, in its themes. Um, it is heavy stuff. 
it reminded me a bit of these final hours, which was that Aussie apocalyptic movie. Mm -hmm. And a movie called Pete's Friends, which was a Kenneth Branagh movie about a whole bunch of friends getting together in a similar sort of uh, fashion. And even a bit of, like I said, the big chill. Yeah. And they're good reference points. So if you like all of that stuff, and if you like your your apocalyptic movies to be very, very grim and heavy. Mm. I think I might skip that one. <laughs> I'm not very good with grim and heavy, I don't reckon. And kids. Yeah, there's a lot kids of the kids stuff. stuff going yeah, on in this oh, one. Yeah, nah. But, but otherwise, all right, sounds good. Everybody else, check yeah. it out. <laughs> good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. All right, Malzi, I'm having a cough attack here. Do <laughs> <laughs> you want to take it away with your final recommendation? Yes. Well, so I'm in Ben's seat and... Uh, <laughs> How does that feel? Mind I feel you, like hey, hey, ben, they're he new anyway, heads, aren't they? Heads up, Ben. Three new chairs waiting mm. for you, mate. These, it's not your I've, actual chair. I've christened it <laughs> nice and well. You need to... Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll say <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say there, but um, <laughs> um, so in the spirit of Ben, <laughs> I um I have a multi-part thing to talk about. Not a multi-part trivia question, but just a multi-part. So yep. you'll have to go on a bit of a journey with me. All right. I'm so here. I did. I did kind of know very early on what I was going to watch, or what I was going to recommend, but um I. Had the I was like determined to watch as many Christmas horrors this week as I as I could that were in relation to whatever we we're talking about. So I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night three, and I watched like yeah <laughs> and five again, like all you know, and um and so anyway, so my week started with watching the two thousand and six yeah. Black Christmas. Yes. <laughs> two thousand and six one. So the, the two thousand six one remake. The first remake, which I think. Is a marvelous movie. It was, and so I have to admit because it was like a last minute decision. It was actually when I when I couldn't watch the Day of the Beast <laughs> yeah. because there was no English subtitles. I was like, Fuck no, like what am I going to watch now? <laughs> yeah. And so I decided to put this on, but I must say I did watch a crappy copy of it. Yeah. Um, but I thought that I always thought that I'd seen it before. Sure. And I I definitely hadn't seen wow. it before. That's yeah. Cool. That's so cool. it was so it was a first time watch. Um. Yeah, I loved it. And that's that's made by the guys that made Willard. Yeah. Which was great. And, and uh, X Files. Yes. Yep. Final Destination. Yep. yep. So they had just come off Final Destination three. Yeah. So you get some of the same, like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. Um, there's also Michelle Trachtenberg, who I love. <laughs> Buffy. I'm a massive Buffy fan. Lacey Lacey Chabert. Chabert. Was, was she Dawn? Uh, yes, she was. Yes. Da yes. Now I'm not going to give anything else away. <laughs> <laughs> she unlocked things. <laughs> Carry on. Shout out to Buffy fans. Um, <laughs> Katie Cassidy. Um, and oh, and then what else did I, what else was a revelation of this? Do you remember what I had a revelation of when oh. I was watching this and I messaged you? The dude? Yeah. Um, I've forgotten his name. Um, From uh, uh, Rules of Engagement? Oliver Hudson, isn't yeah, it? So I it. was like, oh, this guy's, because I'm texting at the same time. And I'm like, oh, this guy's in everything. And then I've gone to look him up and I'm like, 
oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. I just only, and to everybody else that's having the same revelation right now, that Oliver <laughs> Hudson, yeah. who has been in so many things, is Kate Hudson's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> You're welcome. You don't have to look like an idiot like I did. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my God. So yeah, no, I loved it. And which it actually kind of flies in the face of me being very against uh, remakes that overtell a killer's backstory because yeah, we yeah. get a lot of that in this. We do. Um, which probably takes away from the, the girls are so great in it, but we don't get as much time with them because yep. we're having these flashback moments sure. to... Mm-hmm. To Billy and Agnes, and yep. um, but I don't know why it didn't bother me with this. Well, it's a different movie. To it the first really one. Yeah. it, and it yes, it is, and it and it. I feel like that's the it knows what it is. Yeah, they took a template. Yeah. and just sort of started fresh. Yeah. yeah, and and you know what my favorite thing about it is? No, but I'll, I'll tell you mine. You go for it. It's so fucking Christmassy. Yes, it is so like the the soundtrack is full of Christmas music. Yep. It's just everything about it is Christmas. Very so, similar. Yeah. My favourite thing about it is the poster. Yes, yeah. It is just it's a it's a chick yeah. wrapped in Christmas lights. Yeah. yeah. It's a horrific image, but it's colourful and it's Christmassy. It's yeah. yeah, it's yeah. So so that's not my recommendation though. Okay. <laughs> that's the first step of our little journey. So then next on I the went on to <laughs> So next I went on to against all uh <clears throat> recommendations. Uh, is this I one next I told went you on to, to Yes, okay. I next but I'm just like, no, I have to see it. To, Always. So I went on to 2019's Black Christmas. Yep. And I think I sent out a few messages that said, wow, <laughs> that is a movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, let's back yeah. it up for a minute and just um, highlight the fact that the, <clears throat> the first one you watched is actually called Black Xmas on the, all the posters. On the posters, yeah. Which yep. is um, the, trying to distinguish it from the original. Yeah. But this one is, once again, yes, Black, Black Christmas, Christmas with a poster that has nothing to do with Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and, and it really has nothing to do with Christmas. Yeah. That's a, that's, yeah. So, yes, let's leave with one of my biggest criticisms of it. <laughs> has nothing to do with Christmas. Yeah. Like, you could set it at any time. And, yeah, boy, oh, boy, wowee. <laughs> like, it made some choices. Starting off yeah. with a few minutes into it, we're, like, looking for a... Um, I think it's a diva cup, like, has been stolen. And so a girl goes to borrow a pad and just, whoop, hand into the pants, pops the pad in in front of her sorority sister in a completely, I mean, that is completely unrealistic because she just like, whoop, and that doesn't work. It doesn't happen like that. Um, So that was in the first five minutes or so. And um, I must say, like, I will give it some crap because I did go and do you know, some reading on it afterwards and everything. And so I think it was about nine months from Jason Blum giving, yep. like, ask, you know, offering it to the director yep. um, at, before it was screening. Yep. So, yes, you can have this movie opportunity, but it's going to be screened in, be like, nine months' time. So, quick. you know, but um, the, the one, another one of my big, like, problems with it, it there's just no suspense no. in it. Like, it's just like... Everything, like everything normal, everything normal, boom, like yeah. out of nowhere. But then bang, back to normal again. Like I, it's yeah. just, yeah. I agree with you. And I think like the big mistake is one, with such a short amount of time, right, to yeah. get this made, um, 
I think there was far too much focus on some kind of ideology and, and personal yes. politics and yes. stuff like that. I'll get to that. Yes. Right. Go yes. for it. But that's, yes. that's why I think so, um, it yes. fails. Yes, absolutely. So next step <laughs> on the little journey is my actual recommendation. And I know like we've all heard it before. Yep. Go and watch Black Christmas from 1974. It's Fucking amazing, and that, certainly is. Like, and so as I said before, like I, this was the movie that I had screened for Christmas in July back in in uh, in twenty sixteen, and I hadn't seen it since then. Yeah, and I've been very like all the other movies that I watched this week. I was very texting at the same time or, you know, like I was just a little bit. We're like, giving it your your full attention. No, yeah. and because I'm trying to just like rush through them all yep. and everything, I <laughs> was. Fucking captivated. <laughs> and I really noticed that as yeah. well. Like I just went, I was just, boom. Like, it's, it's wonderful. Just It yeah. just drew me in, even though I've seen it a few times before. And it was just. Uh, like we said before that Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 1 was one of the great yeah. Christmas horror movies. And but, I mean, there's at least a handful of yes, greats. Yeah. And this is, and one this is definitely one of them. Yeah. yeah. So, Made in 1974 by dire- director Bob Clark. Mm-hmm. My favourite. My yeah. favourite. Uh, Canadian horror set in America. Um, there, and, yeah, so this is getting on to that issue with 2019. So, in this 1974 original, there's so many progressive storylines that were re- reflective of 70s counterculture. Yeah. And the feminist angles that came out of it are, like, all a result of just portraying yeah. fully-fledged female characters. Yeah. Like it just comes out naturally. But that's the mistake of the remake is oh. that it's, I felt like when I watched the, the newer one yeah. that what you're trying to say has been said. Yeah. Like it's all been – like the first one was very, like you said, progressive. But the thing is with the 2019 one, you just hit over the head yeah. Yeah. constantly. Yeah. There's literally I – oh, I, I really don't like to – Yeah, bemoan. But yeah, yeah, I really don't. But you just – there is there is not a line that mm. goes – like that where – it isn't yeah. something about it's, it's that. Heavy-handed. The patriarchy, the yeah. you know, like gender issues. It's every line in the film. But, just I about. mean, and you say that you don't want to bemoan. I understand that, but it pissed everybody off. Yeah, like, everybody on from all walks yeah. of life, really. Yeah, you know, except for those few militant types. You know, mm. it pissed everyone off. And I really did go into it when you were like, and I, I said to you that I was putting it on. You were like, oh, good luck. And I'm just <laughs> like, I really like. Surprisingly, I was actually like. You no, like, I might. Yeah, like, I really you, did. Glenn. No, I was like, no, I might. And it was, yeah. and it was within. And I, but you know, like I was, I was really on the ride. Though, like I was just like, oh, and I also had paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I was like, I was, I was seeing it through, like no matter you what. Wanted to and it. yes, yes, yes. But I was just like, wow, uh, yeah. But you know, um, I just yeah. want to say we have um, going back to the original Bob Clark movie. Yeah. We've got a fantastic soundbite out there somewhere from an earlier podcast. Years ago, actually, of Jarrett mm-hmm. reenacting that infamous phone call. Yeah. <laughs> and he does it so well. Oh, and my God. If you ask him to do it on, in the blink of an eye, he will yeah, do it for yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I wonder, that actually rings a bell. Yeah. I might have, because um, I think when I I had an involvement with Monster Fest a few years oh, he ago. He loves that like, line. And I think, I think, I think he, people were trying to get him to do it. Or like people it's were getting him to do it. It's all about the little C-bomb. Yeah. 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 He's, now, he's, that they, now that you say that, there was it. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> so the original holds up impeccably. Like, 
The acting is incredible. Obviously, you've got Margot Kidder as Barb, um, Olivia Hussey as Jess, um, the alcoholic uh, house mother. Like, yep. and, and these are, like, she could be um, on the nose or whatever, but she's not, like... Everybody has multi layer, you know. Yep. Everybody is layered, and everybody and every character serves a purpose. Yeah, and it, they're endearing, yep. and they've all or most of them have issues, and but you kind of in the quickest and like way they show kind of why, like Barb, you get a phone call of Barb, like Barb on the phone with her mum, and like her mum's yep. an alcoholic, yep. and you know just a really shitty person, and blah blah. But you get that in a second, and so you go. Oh, there's a reason that she's mm. the way that she is, and and it's just so that it's done so well. Well, yeah, and that's and John Saxon. Oh, John Saxon. Oh my god, legend, legend. Oh my god, like one of his, like he's just amazing in this movie. Oh, oh. Well, talk oh. about talk about a horror legend. Like when he's in horror movies, he adds so much gravitas to it. Yeah, you know, yep. whether it's Nightmare on Elm Street, even Blood Beach, where he plays like the sort of the, the Roy Schneider character, from yeah, 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 sheriff. He's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so it's set in a sorority house and the girls have been, for anybody that hasn't, you know, doesn't know. So the girls have been receiving garbled, obscene phone calls that become increasingly menacing and disturbing. Um, obviously, it's famous for its point of view shots from the killer who's stalking the girls inside the house and starts picking them off. Um, it's also, you know, it's really scary. Mm-hmm. And, but funny. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I've uh, actually just realised that both of the movies that I've recommended, they end very bleakly, <laughs> but very, um, not too, I guess not too much for me, like, because I'm pretty, I'm a pretty light, lightweight. <laughs> yeah. I get really affected by things. Mm. Um, but, and so it is affecting, but it's affecting, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. they're very effective. Like it's just... <laughs> Yeah, and, and I mean, I have to say, you know, like Jess is such a strong, like you've got your final girls, your typical final girls that, that came about after this movie, yeah. but she's just before that and she's just such a strong, like a silent, mm-hmm. strong character. Yep. Like she's just found out that she's pregnant mm-hmm. and That's right. is going to have an abortion. Mm-hmm. And so she tells her boyfriend that her super controlling boyfriend who is just like, no, yeah. you are not doing that. And like, even at one stage, he's like, no, we'll get married. And and she's just like, no, <laughs> Peter, yeah. I, we're not going to do that. Like I have dreams. I have, and she never wavers yep. on her stance. Mm-hmm. Which and you get for, it. Like 1970, like it's. Like you said, progressive for sure. So progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's so. That's my. We've been on a journey, and there. It was a journey. <laughs> you know, we um. Every every train line has its dodgy stations. It does. Yeah. True. <laughs> and I feel like we just passed through Bronia <laughs> <laughs> in order to get to Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are almost at the end of the show, um, but a few more good things before we wrap it up. Because firstly, let's just reel off some more honourable mentions. I've I've listed some just okay. um, in case you don't have any. Well, I mean, I've I've, I've, I've talked about about eight movies tonight <laughs> so on this. So <laughs> there's a great movie. 
have not seen this in years. I do recall it though from seventy one. It's called Whoever Slew Auntie Rue. Oh yeah, with Shelley Winters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Shelley Winters, so that's one I want to revisit as soon as I can. Maybe for next year's Christmas mm-hmm. show, we can talk about that. One called um, the Dorm that dropped um, the drop blood. I think it's called or drew blood, something like that, mm-hmm. or dripped, maybe dripped blood. I'm going off memory here. I didn't Don't even look these up, but that's, sort of that is one. I think it's the Dorm that dripped blood. Um, because it always confused me. There was another movie called The House That Dripped. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, but this one um, from, I think it's early 80s. That was great. I mentioned before the Aussie one, Red Christmas. Yep. Worth a look. It's not a great movie by any means, but if you are, if you know the, the trouble behind the production, there's an actual film about the production. Mm-hmm. It's well worth looking. Uh, Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Like everyone at that. Do you remember if Gremlins 2 was Christmas? No. It's I, definitely I, not. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Because I always Haven't thought seen it for to a myself, long time, like, but yeah, no, I don't think so. Which I, I think that's a that's a um a miss. Like that's a. It should have been. It should have been. Yeah. One. It should have been like uh you know because in Home Alone two is in yeah. New York. Yeah. It should have been like that. Yeah. It's a totally. Christmas City one. Oh, I love one from 2016 called Better Watch Out. Oh yeah. Speaking of Home Alone, that's a very Home Alone-ish kind of movie. Yeah. Um, very nasty little surprise that one. Krampus is a good one. The Boneheads mm-hmm, mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Wind Chill, that's a good one. We think is it Emily Blunt in that one? There's some great Christmas horror yeah, movies. Yeah, there are. Yeah, it's such a and uh, that's the problem though is regular horror movies all year round. Just yeah. watch it when you want. These yeah. ones you got to really pick and choose. True, true. I need to just start. Like, do you start in December or do you? St- your tree was yeah. up before December, so yeah. No, we we go a little bit before December. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I mean we. Well, know. I mean, the American tradition is after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Um, but do you start before that? Well, you were, I... You were straight I, out of Halloween into Christmas? I, di- I didn't. I didn't this year, <laughs> but I did talk about it, especially because I, like, we live in a very small place, so it kind of made sense just to swap out the swap out the <laughs> Halloween and, you know, swap yep. in the Christmas. But um, but I did get the Halloween decorations away you know, without having to do that. <laughs> if your house is so small, you should just take the decorations off and call it a tree for the year. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. So that's our tree. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Except it's, well, this is the problem. It's leaning. So I actually don't even want to look at it at all at yeah. the moment. So well, I've got a big problem going on When you on have there. a tree that leans, you just rotate it. But did you decorate it all the way around? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what you need it's to do? in the corner. Yeah, so oh, you know those little dumb way to things you put in the middle of the table that spin. Yeah, put the tree on that and you spin it and yeah. there's tinsel goes. Yeah. Sorry, that I think t- I need a new one. That sound effect I just did then was me doing the actions of the tree spinning, which will not translate well into the podcast. The other great thing before we wrap up is there is no Melzy episode without one fireball, but two movie trivia. And I must say, I've drank two cans. To your one. I'm saving mine for later in the week for the Thursday night video. Mm, oh, good point. I can I can get a well, glass I need out to and not, share it with you. I okay. I was going to say <laughs> I I really need to not drink and eat on those on the videos, but I, I mean I'll still take it. <laughs> right, cool. So let's do some trivia. Let's. I'm going to go first, and tell me when you're ready, and I'll fire away. Okay. Yep. Okay. So Chris Columbus wrote Gremlins. Yeah. Can you name one of the other six Christmas movies he either wrote, produced, or directed? Home Alone. Okay, that's an easy one, wasn't it? Jesus. <laughs> Do you, can you name any others? I was just about to say, but don't <laughs> name any others. <laughs> you could at least name one more, surely. Uh, two. Home yeah. Alone 2. <laughs> that's right. 
Thanks. He also recently did the uh, the Christmas Chronicles movies with um, oh, Kurt yes. Russell. They're yep. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas with the Cranks and Jingle All the Way. Oh, yeah. Well, I was wondering whether it was, um, oh, we'll see. I do watch all of those. <laughs> Good. Oh, I really, I, I mean, it may have come across already, but I really love Christmas movies. I really love Christmas and yeah. I love Christmas movies. Me too. Yeah. I love cool. general Christmas movies. As we're going to find out, our final episode yeah. of the year, everybody, is a Christmas themed episode. Everybody from the show is going to be on it and we're going to just talk about Christmas movies. Yeah. Love it. Okay, I've got to I've got to choose which ones to go with first. Okay, do, um, do you mind if I have a? I'm gonna have a bonus round. Oh, do what you need. Okay, all right. So in the twenty, so for my first, uh, in the 2015 movie Krampus, which character is the only one to refer to the titular character by name? Fuck, I have no idea. No, I didn't either. Um, <laughs> you picked a question you didn't even know. Nah. <laughs> oh, I was really struggling, but then that's why I've got an extra I'm one. I'm just going to say Tony Collette. Um, the grandmother. Oh, whatever. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really remember that movie very well. I need to watch that again. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's you next. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was about to go. <laughs> All right, is there a bonus to that? No? No, no, no. The bonus will come at the end. All right, so here we go. Uh, the original Black Christmas, directed mm-hmm. by Bob Clark. <gasps> yeah. Can you name the other Christmas movie he directed? Oh, um, it, oh shit. Um, yes. Um. Oh, fuck. Yes, I can. <laughs> oh, my God. It may have just had a brand new sequel released. Yeah. Um, this is so annoying because I was just thinking I know about you know this. It. I do know it. Like, yeah. I was just thinking about it if on it the way here. If it starts with A, A something? A Christmas Story. Yes, that's God. it. Uh, bonus question. What's the uh, What's the high school sex comedy he directed? Oh, Porky's. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Legend. I Clark. love Bob Clark so much. So now, weirdly, I've got a question. That's why I got excited to start with and it probably like threw my mind because um, I've got a Black Christmas question. Excellent. Now. Throw it at me. So, what was Black Christmas released as in the States after bombing originally with <clears> audiences? <throat> so, it had a re release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. I should know this because. In the lead up to this show, mm. I saw that poster at yeah. least a dozen oh, times. Oh, really? Because I'm looking at, like, oh, let's look at some Christmas horror hey, movies. Hey, and I'm like, hang on, what's that yeah, one? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah, fucking yeah, Black Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so luckily you've got another bonus that you might be able to catch up to me. <laughs> okay. So you've got to get this one first. I I can visualise that yeah. poster, but I can't pick, can't put the name to All it. All right, you want me yeah. to? Silent Night, Evil Night. That's it. Because <laughs> it's so close to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, you've got another chance, except you'll still lose. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is the first. I was just Fuck. like, oh, this is going to be so bad with only two of us because you'll just get everything and I'll get no, nothing. No, no. It'll be so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Eric Freeman's performance as Ricky in Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is considered iconic. <laughs> clearly. In large part due to his strong eyebrow movement. How many times do his eyebrows go up and down? A. 87, B, 130, C, 263. Did you count these? That's what the Horror the horror Society guys asked me to. <laughs> um, no, it was online. B, 100 Yeah, what was it? 130. 30, yeah. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it seems reasonable. <laughs> I fluked it. <laughs> wow, there you go. You, you really are obsessed with that movie. Oh, I... It's amazing. I wasn't I wasn't going to watch it before Christmas, but I might have to. Yeah. Hmm. 
It's a shame that's not on the new, the brand new Blu-ray that's getting released um, this week. Which yeah, is the, the three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will be getting that too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that is it. Our first Christmas episode Yay! of the year. Thanks so much for uh, lifting the load in Ben's absence. Oh, no worries. But this is not your final episode. As I said, you're going to be back in a couple of weeks' time for our Christmas party show. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole Good Movie Monday gang are going to be there. So that's a good way to end the season, I reckon. Nice. Looking forward to that. Ben's going to be back in action at the desk next week. And we're going to be talking about 80s teen movies we've never seen. Oh. So there's a lot of pride on the line for this one. Yeah. You know, can you admit to something, you know, shocking that you should have seen, but mm. haven't? That's the whole gist of it. I think that's my, that's most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was surprised, you know, prepping for that one, how many movies I haven't seen. Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to hearing what Ben has to say. And that was his idea, that concept of the show. Mm. So, huge thank you to Brian Bremer. Oh. What a legend. Oh. Such a lovely I hope, guy. I hope we get to see him in person. No some, doubt. At some stage. No doubt his sincerity just oozed through that yeah. interview for everyone listening. Um, the video version of that conversation will be online tomorrow night on Facebook and YouTube. And of course, it'll be on our website too, goodmoviemonday.com. Watch it, you know, because he's um, he's theatrical. He yeah. gives you expressions. Yeah. And, and some of his jokes are better yeah. watched. Yeah. Uh, so definitely check that out. Would you like to give the uh, Horror Film Society one final plug? Yes. So uh, look at our socials or go to melbournehorrorfilmsociety.org to get more information on our upcoming screenings. Firstly, of Gremlins on Saturday, December 10th in Coburg and then on Tuesday, December 20, we'll be at Long Play in Fitzroy North with the Day of the Beast. And if you missed that, rewind and listen again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, no, please. I don't so, want to hear her anymore. <laughs> speaking of Gremlins, um, here's a song from the movie to leave you with. It's Peter Gabriel's Out Out, which is a really oh. weird song. And uh, it is on the soundtrack. So have a great week, everyone, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Melzy. No worries. Thank you. Thank you.